Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we have finally come to the concluding lesson of our study on the book of Genesis. It's true. Called Israel in Egypt. And uh, there's just, there's so many things to take away from the lessons of Absolutely. not just the whole book of Genesis, particularly these last few studies yes. on Joseph and all the things connected with Egypt. And now we're going to be basically not coming home because they're actually going to be waiting to go home. And well, we'll get into that in a That's minute. Right. You put together the talking points this week. Sure. Um, and I really, uh, I want to really want to get into those, but we haven't even prayed yet. So well, let's have a word of prayer. Yeah. Why, why don't I pray? And then why don't you just take the baton and walk us through? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this study. Thank you for the lessons that still apply to us today. Please now bless the next few minutes as we go over the lesson and bless every Sabbath school that follows along and is edified by your word. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, as mentioned, you, you, as you mentioned, this lesson brings us to the end of Genesis, the last few chapters, Genesis 46 to 50. It brings us to the close of the lives of both Jacob and Joseph and paves the way for the exodus, the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. So okay. that's all. There's several chapters then piled into this mm -hmm. last bit here, okay? But three talking points. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> talking point number one, true faith believes in God's faithfulness. Interesting. And okay. we'll elaborate on that. That's Sabbath through Tuesday. That's the big That's, first part yeah, of the lesson. Sabbath, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, really uh, dealing with the closing years of Jacob. Okay. And then number two, our only hope for the future is in Christ. Really, we've drawn that from Wednesday and that blessing slash cursing of Jacob mm. over his sons. Um, and Okay, we'll dive into that you. a little bit more. And then finally, number three, this world is not our home, taken primarily from Thursday's lesson. So true. This world is not our home, and that was vividly illustrated in their life. But let's go back now. Number one, true faith believes in God. What an interesting way to put that. True faith believes in God's faithfulness. What does that well, mean? Well, you know, I, I was trying to come up with a way to summarize this, the closing years of the life of Jacob. And one of the things that really struck me in the story is, in fact, why don't you read Genesis 46? one through four, where you have this final transition, if you will, at least while living, the final trans transition of, of Jacob. 46. 46, one through four. Okay. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you, make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Now, it's an interesting, that, that last part of the phrase, Jacob knew what that meant. That meant that it was referring to his death. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go to Egypt, and he says, I'm going to bring you up from there, which is which really didn't happen in his life. It happened in his death, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. But here Jacob, in his old age, is called to go out of Canaan. So Canaan is a land of promise that all these years, you know, God's been trying to establish Abraham in the land of Canaan, Isaac in the land of Canaan. Mm -hmm. Here's Jacob living in Canaan. And now in his old age, where Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, Jacob is actually... Called well, out of, as it were, yeah, Canaan. Now the, the story doesn't portray it that way. It doesn't say God called Jacob out and then Jacob went. 
it actually says Jacob left and he worshiped God and then God came to him. Mm -hmm. But in the context of the story, you can see that God, you know, God had foretold through Abraham this moving Mm -hmm. of of his descendants to Egypt. And it's interesting to me that one of the first things Jacob does is go to Beersheba, mm-hmm. which wasn't by happenstance. You can yeah. go to Genesis twenty-one thirty-three, find that Abraham had set up an altar and worship there. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac uh, in Genesis twenty-six twenty-five. So his fathers had both worshipped there. This is a so, place of deep spiritual significance yes. for them. It wasn't just a roadside stop. Right. So yeah. Jacob intentionally goes there, like. His life is being disrupted in his old age, taken away from the land of Canaan. And to me, it communicates as, as if Jacob's saying, okay, Lord, wherever you want to lead me, mm-hmm. I know that you're doing the right thing. Like, here at the end of his life, he learned that lesson of trust. Mm-hmm. He had faith in God's faithfulness, which leads mm. to that, to where, where I came from, that, that true faith of Jacob. We see he was now trusting that the Lord knew what he was doing, even well, though it plus may have seemed counterintuitive. Seen, well, also, he had seen evidence for the Lord's leading in the whole Joseph yes. saga, and now he says, I still don't know how this is going to work out, but I have enough evidence to put my faith looking back That's that right. I can look forward trusting in God. That's right. And again, I want to speak to how counterintuitive this was. I mean, it's easy to have faith in God when things look well, well yeah. look good. You know, when my life is going well and all this of that. This must be the Lord's leading. <laughs> but when... He's being led away uh-huh. from what would be the land of promise. What's going on? It's a, it's a, certainly could lend towards feelings of doubt and uncertainty, which is why I believe when God approaches him, he says, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, there had to be a little bit of uncertainty. That's all God had to say, Jacob's like, I know you're yeah. going to lead me in the right way. You like to like make that point in training too. Is like, why would God, what kind of people does God say, don't be afraid to? It's like, well, <laughs> people, who, people are afraid. And so <laughs> like, he comes knowing where his heart is and he says, look, this is still my path. Don't be afraid. Love it. Yeah. And so what, what strikes me, of course, he goes to Beersheba and worships. And then also in this experience of going into Egypt, he meets with the Pharaoh and he blesses the Pharaoh. I love that. Now, the lesson <laughs> makes a point that, you know, how, how this was kind of unusual, which it was. It, 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 like I said, it makes that point. The Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, but yet it wasn't unusual from this perspective that Jacob, and I have the note in, my, in, my, in our notes here, that Jacob valued his faith. Jacob recognized, yeah, Pharaoh is the monarch of this world at the time, but I serve the monarch of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so Ellen White makes an interesting statement. In fact, why don't you read that in uh, just a one sentence it's in Patriots pe- and Prophets. Yeah, 233 says, In conscious superiority, he raised his hands and blessed Pharaoh. <laughs> almost sounds, it sounds almost arrogant. Yes. Anything superiority, you have a superiority yeah. complex. Oh, you think you're like, somebody? <laughs> right. I'm consciously superior to you. Yeah. But what it's saying is he recognized, just the point that I made, mm-hmm. he served the monarch of the universe. So as much respect as you can have an earthly monarch, yeah. he's not going to bless me. And also it's not self-aggrandizing right? the fact that I'm better than you. It's like, no, I'm a representative of the one who's bigger That's than this exactly whole thing. Right. And so I have no shame to go before this ruler because I'm working for that ruler. That's right. And we just went over this in the Hebrews uh, quarterly, a couple quarterlies ago, where it said that, uh, or last quarterly, uh, that... Uh, without question, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Mm -hmm. Jacob understood this. So how in the world, just from a pragmatic standpoint, how can Pharaoh bless me when I serve the God of heaven? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't. 
So well, J- you know what it makes me think of is the woman at the well. She's like, oh, I need to give you water. She's like, look, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for water. That's like, right. He, and he wasn't being arrogant. He's like, I know what I have is better. Right. And there's something like there's something to be said about valuing your faith and realizing it's not arrogant. So yes. we have this big contention today. We talk about the remnant. Oh, mm-hmm. we don't want, if, among Adventists, we're like, oh, we don't want to call ourselves the remnant because that's arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's just accepting the reality mm-hmm. that we have received the Bible faith. And, and I, I'm not going to judge somebody else for why they don't keep certain things in the Bible, like the Sabbath, for example. But the fact that by God's grace, not by any goodness of my own mm-hmm. or your own, we understand and can honor, at least in part, the Bible Sabbath, puts is there's a level of superiority to the faith that we have, not to mm-hmm. the people that we are. And so sure. Jacob recognized that, that his faith was of a higher nature, and therefore, mm-hmm. in that conscious superiority, he raised his hands and blessed Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I think we ought to value our faith as mm-hmm. much. Not mm-hmm. ourselves, but our faith. Right. We should have confidence that the message we're following is of the Lord, that the That's Bible right. is still true, that regardless of the socioeconomic world event or whatever, that we have a message that is spot on. In fact, it's almost like this. We need that higher faith because of the mess of people we are. In other words, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I'm not being arrogant. I'm telling you, I have to have the highest quality <laughs> faith there is <laughs> if I'm ever going to be got. saved. That's right. That's right. my only hope. Right, so anyway. Jacob valued his faith, and then, of course, Jacob had learned to trust God's providences, even though he didn't know where God was leading. It's right. interesting that in this story we see, you know, we've talked about the nation of Israel, but at this point they were 70, roughly. And the lesson mm-hmm. goes into this whole significance of 70. I personally wouldn't go into that in uh, class. Yeah. There's a lot of numerology in the quarterly, and to me it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, I think the bigger point is that they just weren't, very many in numbers. Seventy is not the whole. I think the, the whole point of it is that when you go to Exodus chapter one, it reiterates that seventy number, and then by I think verse five or something, then they grew and they multiplied exceedingly mighty, and the right. land was filled with its little. And you and have two million coming out of Egypt. Exactly. And so here's the thing: God saw they were in the land of Canaan, right? Mm-hmm. But the Canaanites were in the land of Canaan, and they only had one of two options. Well, three because the two didn't work. One was they could overcome the Canaanites. No, that wasn't going to happen. There's only 70 of them. Okay. Well, then they'll just kind of just settle into the land. The problem is they would get They would do exactly that. They would settle into the land. They would get immersed into the idolatry. So God saw that for them to be able to fill the land of promise the way he Mm -hmm. intended, he had to take them out into what you called the incubator of Goshen. That would be a place where, and and set them apart as shepherds, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a minute, so that they could begin to flourish both yeah. physically and spiritually. And think about that. They had the country living. They had the hard work life of a shepherd. They were isolated from the Egyptian idolatrous yes. influences, which I think we're going to get here in a minute. Like, it really was a little... Obviously not Eden because yes. Eden, but the closest thing you could provide to that country living type of like yes. beautiful thing. The Adventists are always going on about how that would be the best thing, and I want that for my life. The Lord provided that for His family of faith, right? Yes, to turn into the nation of Israel. It's really beautiful. Again, and and Jacob didn't know all of this how that would work out, but when the Lord led him, he trusted God's providences. Mm-hmm. He had he valued his faith. 
And um, that faith he as, trusted yeah. God's faithfulness. And then finally, God rewarded that faithfulness of Jacob when we, uh, there's a great statement here I'd like you to read. From and you the, think the reward, I want to get into this because like you think, oh, he rewarded with eternal life. No, he just gave him a good death. <laughs> and, and that, but when you hear this explanation, it's from... Uh, there's two places in Patriarchs and Prophets, and I've put them together that say the same thing. Right, so. but it's beautiful. Jacob's last years brought an evening of tranquility and repose after a troubled and a weary day, which the day represents his whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Clouds had gathered dark above his path, yet his sun set clear, and the radiance of heaven illumined his parting hours. He himself was surrounded with every token of love and favor that the prime minister of Egypt could bestow, and happy in the society of his long-lost son, he passed down gently and peacefully to the grave. I mean... Not if only you're going to pass to the grave, yeah. there's not a better way the, to do it. Physically, like, like the land around yes. him, it was it was calm politically. He was isolated from these other well, problems. You his, his children were in, in, in harmony with each other. Again, he had right. Joseph. And he got to live not just a few hours, like, oh, look at this. And more years. 17 years and pass peacefully to the grave. It's beautiful. Right. He didn't die on a sick bed. And as you That's said, right. he didn't have that conflict in his house anymore That's among right. the sons and their different very, their different mothers. Mm. Like, the, it, despite all those hardships, I mean, it just tells me that when we're faithful to the Lord, now he allows hardships to refine us, mm-hmm. but he also has regard for our peace and our comfort. And yes. it was his delight to put Jacob in a place where he could pass to his rest peacefully. Amen. And so again, Jacob God blessed his faithfulness, and yes, with eternal life to come. For sure. But in this life, yes. just J- Jacob, his true faith believed in God's faithfulness, and then that faithfulness blessed the final days of Jacob. Mm. All right, now let's transition from Jacob's life to his children as we look yes. at this, the future and what would come after him. Right. Our only hope for the future is in Christ. When you look at Jacob's, and at first I call this Jacob's blessings. If you look at Bibles, the heading is always Jacob blesses his sons. Mm-hmm. But when you, read, you read through it, it it's like, there's uh. a curse <laughs> on what Reuben had done. There's a curse on Levi and Simeon. Um, and Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Right. Like, well, that's I mean, not a real blessing. <laughs> no. And, and, and then again, the tendency when you read through these, these things that Jacob had spoken, and Ellen White, makes, Ellen White makes an interesting point that had it been up to Jacob himself, the father, and Jacob was also a very um, tender father, he wouldn't have given these denunciations. This was a divine. Yes, this the, was supernatural. The, the spirit of inspiration, she says, came upon Jacob because yes. it was pointing out not these sons had repented, mm. and 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 Ellen White is very clear about that. You see it in Scripture. Joseph had seen that in his brothers, but now what's being pointed out is despite the fact that they had repented. Yet their the consequences of their sins left a stain upon their posterity. Their descendants. You know, character, and we've talked about this, and we keep talking about it because over and over you see it in Genesis, that it is character that determines destiny. Yes. And so when you see this this litany of, of you know, their positives and negatives, it has to do with the characters of the sons. Right. And again, this is not, to your point, this is not predestining them to Mm-mm. like arbitrarily, you're going to be good when you're going to be a bad one. This is back to like supernaturally, the Lord intervened to show him the, right. the trajectory of their character decisions on their offspring. Well, what's awesome is, and we don't have time to get into all the depths of it, but Ellen White makes a point that because of the curse on Simeon and Levi, because of their their crime against, you know, where they, mm-hmm. you know, at any rate, you can go back and read that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellen White says that that the the Levites initially had this hanging over them, but because of their faithfulness with the golden calf, they're they're exalted to 
the mm. leadership of Israel, and in her words, they turned the curse into a blessing. Interesting. And so, as much as there may have been a stain upon the characters because of the parents, you know, and the same thing, we, as a parent, I wish I could pass on only my good traits, mm. few as they are, to my mm. children. But mm. you pass on both. And as children, you inherit your parents' good traits of character and the bad traits of character. But mm. the good news is, and I think it's right in the middle of this, is as it's taught, as Jacob's blessing, pronouncing these blessings upon his sons mm. and talking about their futures, he brings up Judah, Judah. And then when he gets to Judah, in that context, he talks about um, the, the coming scepter. Messiah. Yeah. And everybody understands that the, the scepter not departing and the lawgiver from Judah's feet until Shiloh mm. come and the gathering of the people shall be to him. Now, that's King James. New mm. King James says the obedience of the people. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the gathering of the people because, remember, all nations were going to be blessed through Israel. So here's yet again another messianic picture despite the shortcomings, despite the failures <laughs> of the people, yet there's still hope. And yeah, only yeah, hope. if you think about it, you would think maybe, given all that we've studied, maybe God would have had them come through Joseph. And right. uh, but no, it's through these brothers who are again unstable as water. Then you have Simeon and Levi, and cursed be their anger, yeah. and blah blah blah. And then you get to Judah, and in the midst of that group of yes. men comes out the promised one. That's mm-hmm. incredibly hopeful. Yeah. Well, and again, that not so you could look at the promised one and say, well, he got favored above everybody else. But the point of the prophecy is that everybody else will be favored through him. Mm. So it's not like, well, he got it and I didn't. And even yeah. if I deserved, because of my poor choices and whatever else, like Simeon and Levi, whatever, because of the faithfulness of the Messiah, the one mm-hmm. who would come, everybody has that. And that's that, the gathering. Yes, yes that to him. gathering to him. And what it made me think about is the final gathering is through the gates into the city. Mm. And the Bible tells us, and I have it in the notes in... in uh, Ezekiel 48, Revelation 21, mm-hmm. that the names, the gates of Israel have names inscribed upon them of the, the, I'm sorry, the gates of the yeah. New Jerusalem have the children of Israel's names inscribed on the gates. And the, the, what that communicates to me is that the redeemed are going to come through any one of those yeah. gates of character. Right. We all come from a different direction. But we can overcome whatever character defect through Christ mm. and make it into the city. So that Shiloh coming and gathering the people to himself is just that reminder, again, of talking point number two, our only hope for the future is in Christ. Amen. But there's a lot of hope. Amen. You know, sometimes only hope is like our only hope, and it's just kind of slim. It's a huge hope. Yes. But that's the one thing that you saw. And, and, and perhaps that was the reason why the story of Joseph does take up the space that it does in the yes. book. Of, because it's so relevant to those who would be reading this story. Like, why are we covering all the, the, the mistakes of the brothers and then the process to redeem them? Because they're the gates we're going to go through. We're all going to have a sim, uh, an experience of a Reuben or a Judah or Simeon or Levi, you know. And somehow, through our, the, despite our shortcomings, God can make out of us people who can go into That's the right. city and it'll be just like akin to their experience. And so... Maybe it's the practical relevance that makes the the story of Joseph so necessary for such space. I don't know, That's but right. it's, it's, it is Well, and again, awesome. we just saw it in the life of Jacob as he passed his what God was able to go do in his life. And I think another lesson is we relate, you know, and say, well, with my sins, I can still overcome. But we also should be able to see that in our fellow man, right? Mm. That... that 
Joseph's brothers are the kind of people we like to see get beat up, right? <laughs> get what's get, coming get, to them. They're yeah. going to let them, those guys, and how easy it would have been for Anyway, the story, the point is that in the same way, as we get to step back and see what they were able to become, mm. there might be people in our lives now that annoy us. But if we could step back and say, yeah, but if they would accept Christ, mm. given the time that we've had and that we see in, Je- in Joseph's brothers, what might God be able to do in that life? Mm. You know, that's how we're to be, that's how God sees humanity. So the story could make it hopeful for us and merciful towards others. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And so going on to our third talking point, this world is not our home. As we come into Thursday's lesson, we come to the, uh, even though I, you know, the last talking point kind of went, we looked at the blessed, the Jacob's blessing of his sons and into their futures. Right after that is the time of Jacob's death. And it's interesting that at the time of his death, his prevailing thought was of God's promise. You want to read Genesis 49, 29, and 30? Sure. It says, then he charged them, this is Jacob, um, and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham brought with the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. They, uh, how far am I reading here? Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. good. But he's basically saying, bury me there. Right. Not here. Like, here he is, just the whole idea, and I was thinking about this, like, today we have family burial plots and what have you. I don't know if you've ever thought about, like, where did that begin? And I would dare say it was here in Scripture. Like, Mm. what other reason is there, especially for a person who doesn't believe in afterlife or resurrection? To have a family burial. Or even, even like, I die and my spirit goes somewhere. Like, the only reason for being buried with family is a belief in a physical, literal (laughs) resurrection from the dead. (laughs) Amen. Otherwise, why do I care if I'm where they are? Because I'm going to be, our spirits are up wherever Either I'm nothing or I'm not here, but here doesn't matter. It just speaks to the power of of the resurrection and the Mm. faith, the hope of Israel in the resurrection. Jacob Mm. said, this is not my home. And that's our point. This world is not our home. He recognized that. Bury well, me Jacob, over with my family. Jacob was uneasy about going to Egypt in the first place. And yeah. he was like, fine, I'll go. But when I die, that's I want right. to come back. Because he realized, because of course, Egypt is a representation for this world. Canaan is a representation yes. of heaven. He's like, I'll be here, but don't, just like Joseph told his brothers, be sojourners. Don't that's be inhabitants. Right. Don't be citizens. We Our citizenship is in heaven. And Jacob wanted to memorialize that in his last will and testament. Like, that's right. When I die, get me out of here. And they did. The Bible tells us that they get, obtained leave of the Pharaoh and the whole family went back and buried Jacob mm. with his fathers, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they come back to Egypt. And then there's a couple things that happen in the closing scenes of Joseph. First of all, as his brothers come to Egypt, it's interesting that Joseph takes goes to you know, great pains to make sure his brothers don't get sucked into that Egyptian influence. So this whole mm. living in the land of Goshen, he's like, tell them your shepherds. They looked down on shepherds, evidently because they sacrificed the kind of animals the Egyptians worshipped. At least I'd heard that in one place. Okay, and but so for some was, reason, there was a big so societal... So shepherds were a lower class yeah, yeah. of society, which would necessitate the Egyptians kind of looking down at them. And so it would create... It would keep them isolated. Yes. Right. To a degree. Now, they had interaction, what have you, and... and but the reason I'm saying that is we're drawing, connecting the dots, mm-hmm. and we know that in the same way, God would have his people separate from the world mm. today. It doesn't mean we don't have any interaction, but there was a clear separation, and it was designed by God 
to yeah. preserve. So the you know the, like again we talked about the fact that they weren't able to take the land of Canaan yet. So God put them in Goshen as this incubator, mm-hmm. and the one piece that needed to make it work was that distinction. Mm. Only through that distinction would they grow to the people God wanted them to be. Now, you connect the dots. And today, I'd say since the 1950s or so, Seventh-day Adventists have been all skittish about, oh, we don't want people to think we're weird and this and that. (laughs) And so we've gone to great lengths to try to keep people from thinking we're weird. Mm. And and I'm not saying we should try to do things to make people think. Uh, yeah, I think there's ways we can become what is it like say a gazing stock yes. and like they're crazy looking. But the but that distinction is important because But the trust but a, but a Bible faith in God is going to be viewed as what she say in one place old-fashioned mystical and not worthy of the intelligence of modern thinkers. It says in mm. Prophets and Kings. So a Bible faith is going to look weird to people. Sure. Despite the nice person you might be. Yeah. But that distinction Today, just as it was then, is the one thing that will help God's people to grow into mm. the nation he wants them to be, into the church he wants them to be. And mm. so we see that in the history of Israel. Joseph in, was intentional to have that distinction preserved because he wanted them to realize this world is not their home. You know, I just keep thinking about like the, earlier in the saga of this family story, we had the Abraham and Lot thing. And he had the two choices. You want to yes. stay up here in the mountains, or you can go down down in the valley where it's all this wonderful, but there's a city and stuff down there. Right. And the natural inclination, let me go down and be with them. I'm not going to become one of them. I'm just going to live near there or toward there. And then next right. thing he's in there and he lost his family. And Abraham was safely you know, yes. isolated from that. Here we have the same thing with the children of Israel. And you've got this statement in here, and I don't know if we're going to have a chance to read it. but well, Go ahead. Well, It's right there. Um, which one are we looking at here? Pictures from Prophets 232, yeah. yeah. The antipathy they must encounter in Egypt on account of their occupation, for every shepherd was an abomination under the Egyptians, would enable them to remain a distinct and separate people and would thus serve to shut them out from the participation in the idolatry of Egypt. And how, how tempting it must have been standing before Pharaoh, mm-hmm. who now has this big, big yes. debt he owes Joseph. Right. And he says, I'll give your brothers high positions. I'll give you whatever the yes. land you want. And Joseph's like, don't take any jobs with him. <laughs> you tell him your shepherds, let me do the talking. Like, and he was purposely separating them. And we think now uh, the world might look upon like a simple lifestyle, a simple diet, country yeah. living, you know, basic, oh, how basic and how, un- yeah. Yeah, it's like, amen, praise mm-hmm. the Lord. That distinction is so, so beneficial for the development of character and uh, to, to preserve that faith that God wants us to have. Absolutely. And I mean, you can't escape that from the story. Of course, so there's that, that's a very clear uh, something that happened in Joseph's life, keeping that distinction. This world is mm-hmm. not our home. You see that. And then finally, as he was dying, same thing as his father, only in this case, now Jacob went back to, they went back and buried him. Mm-hmm. That couldn't happen with Joseph. And so Joseph charges them. Number one, he says, God's going to visit you. Mm-hmm. So number one, he's, he he's shares got the same confidence yeah. that God is going to fulfill his promises to make us that great nation he promised. And when he does, not if he does, you take my bones with you when you go. I mean, mm. and what's fascinating about that whole thing, and, and that's exactly what the Israelites do, is when you come to Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith, yes. you look at Joseph's life. There are a lot of things in Joseph's life where, that mm. evidence his faith. You know, the resistance against Potiphar's wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, oh, all his experience in the, in the dungeon. Yeah. But what one thing does the Bible bring up? Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of his bones. Made mention, mm. say, don't take... Don't let me die here or bury mm-hmm. me here. You take my bones with you when you go out of here. So it mm-hmm. showed his confidence that we are leaving here. 
It'll be after my death. When you do, not if you do, as I said, take my bones from here. This world is not our home. We're going to the promised land. And so there's a lesson in that for us of um, that spiritual significance that we are looking for a better land, a, who's, mm. who's a city whose builder and maker Make is God. God. Now, in light of that whole thing, for a conclusion, this is not in the lesson, but I, I, in this chapter dealing with this after this final, these final years of Joseph, Patriarchs and Prophets 2:38 speaks of why God records the failings of His people and their successes. Mm. Why don't you read that in conclusion 2:38? Okay, it says, "If they, that is God's people in Scripture, had been represented as without fault, we, with our sinful nature, might despair at our own mistakes and failures." But seeing where others struggled through discouragements like our own, where they fell under temptations as we have done, and yet took, took heart again and conquered through the grace of God, we are encouraged and are striving after righteousness. As they, though sometimes beaten back, recovered their ground and were blessed of God, so we too may be overcomers in the strength of Jesus. Amen. Oh. There's going to be great Sabbath school lessons, and I've enjoyed this particular quarter so much. Mm -hmm. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you lead out in your classes this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this life of Joseph and all these patriarchs and the stories that are found in the book of Genesis. Thank you that they're not only accurate history, but they're relevant to our lives today. Please, Lord, help us to have that same faith that looks for a new, he a new heaven and a new earth, uh, a land that, where we can truly call home. Until that time, Lord, keep us distinct and faithful to your word and more like Jesus every day. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.